through the process of creation, we do make a mess, just like in life. Life happens for us and it can be messy, but we get the experience. We get to clean that up. We get to figure out how to continue life along, how to pick up the pieces, how to clean the paint stains. And then we make something with that, which is our life. Aloha, beautiful people. I am the intuitive coach and I gave birth to this podcast because of my intuition who has a powerful voice and asked me to remember and embrace my essence. We are all love and light and for each of us to shine at our brightest, we must explore the depths of our darkness. When you rediscover your essence, we all heal an aspect of ourselves. So remember to always shine your light unapologetically. Aloha, beautiful people, and welcome to a new episode of Shine Your Light Unapologetically. Today's guest is the beautiful Sierra Zadi Perez who is a body worker and motivational coach and so much more. But how about we ask her directly, who is Ciara? Hi, everybody. I'm Ciara. I am a body worker, which means that I work with the fascia. I work help people through movement, through helping heal their body. Um, Going into that a little bit, I am a massage therapist. I'm what's called a flexologist. So I help people with assisted stretches. I also am a teacher of movement um, and I teach massage, body work, stretching, dance to all ages from newborns, premature babies, all the way up to senior citizens and geriatric. And then I also um, perform uh, a lot as well within that sphere. So teaching, coaching through movement and body work. I have, um, I'm in the fitness industry. I'm in the performance industry. I've been a dancer for almost 20 years. I originally came into dance through martial arts. So I kind of use body work and movement um, as one single label uh, for overall body work. Um, and then I also, within the performance sphere, I'm a, an award-winning performer. I started out in belly dance, well, martial arts, then went to belly dance in 2005, uh, started performing all over the U.S., and then started creating com- a few companies that I had in the early 2010s, and now um, performing whenever I have the free time. I'm also a coach, a motivational coach, expressive arts coach, I have studied a lot in art, dance, how your body and your mind can heal and reconnect with itself through the creative process. So as a coach, as a life coach, as a motivational coach, as an expressive arts coach, I come to my business and with my clients, uh, working with my clients through this idea of creation and self-expression. And I help people find ways that they want and learn, want to learn about themselves and want to self-express, um, even far off creative ways, <laughs> the, the, the sky's the limit. So any form of creation, any form of expression, we kind of dive deep into that, learn what it means to them and then explore that together. 
Wow, talking about the woman of many hats, <laughs> you are certainly wearing quite a few, even though it's under the same umbrella of movement. It's very, very powerful the way you just described it. And he's been like martial arts and belly dancing, just putting those together, you know, <laughs> makes it like a powerful feminine uh, force <laughs> to be reckoned with. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. um, my lovely Ciara. As you know, in my podcast, I'm always delving a little bit deeper into people's shadows because I truly believe that's where we start our learning process, yes. our growing process. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain that with all these hats you've been through, quite a few, probably multiple rock bottoms and uh, certainly not to be the last ones, but I truly believe that that is a choice. However, I would really love for you to take us through your either latest rock bottom or the one that shook you the most or any rock bottom you feel it's going to be inspirational for others, for those who you really feel that when you had to deal with it, it was probably one of the worst things you had to and probably they believe the same they just don't know how to approach it so if you would like to walk us through it as beautifully as possible and just share with us those moments and what did you do to allow the light within to shine once again mm -hmm. yeah oh, I love that question um so a lot of it revolves around the creative process and self-expression, which is why I do the work that I do and why I work with the clients, um, as many clients as I can to help them learn how to self-express. And it's just this kind of continuing pattern in my life of needing to learn how can I self-express this? How can I express myself through anything at this moment whenever tragedy or trauma or something happens. Um, kind of going back a little bit to the earlier years of my life, I am an abuse survivor. I am a sexual assault survivor um, many, many times over, um, unfortunately. So I've had many people, family, friends, relatives in my life that have taken advantage of, of me being young, growing up in this world, being a woman. And I'm sure many, many of you listening have similar experiences to that. And growing up with that, I didn't really know what it means to be in charge of my own body, what it means to be in charge of myself, my own emotions, or even be able to say no to things because I didn't know how to say no when I was young. And, and so I think as a woman in our world today, and I think we're, we're, we're hopefully starting to get away from that. I want to I wanna say that our generation has started to, to teach kids, hey, you can say no. But um, <clears throat> from my end, at least, it was having to learn how can I say no? And first, it was understanding that word for myself. So through my teenage years, I got very self-expressive. I learned about, so that's when I got into martial arts really heavily. It was, I can't verbally say no, because I had 
these issues with being able to say no to people. One, I'm a people pleaser. So that that automatically is like, oh, I can't say no, period. But two, not being able to be in control of my own body and control of my own thoughts of my time sometimes, it, it gave me this problem or I'm not gonna say problem, but it, it gave me this interaction to overcome of how can I say no? So learning what no meant to myself was first being able to take control and take charge of my own body. So I view, I use martial arts as a way to protect myself, as a way to get stronger, as a way to feel empowered. And it was the rhythm of martial arts. It was a continual practice. It was a discipline. It was watching myself going from doing two push-ups to doing a hundred push-ups or being able to do one single form to being able to sit in a horse stance for an hour on my black belt test, things like that, where it was my own little goals that I was showing myself, I am more, I can do more. I think that I'm going to break and I don't. And that's the beginning of the process of what I've been through my entire life. Um, going into my college years, Having not really had a childhood, I was blessed with this angel of a best friend, um, my best friend, Alicia. She kind of came into my world and showed me how to be playful, how to have fun with life, how to invite my inner child out into the world. And that's something that I never really had because I was always so disciplined, so focused, um, extremely focused on how can I be guarded at the world around me? And so having this beautiful person come into my life and show me that I can still take charge of my life, I can still be in control of my life and still have fun and still be playful and let my inner child come out to see the light was beautiful. Um, and that allowed me to then embrace my feminine. So martial arts is very masculine. It's a very... Um, strong chi. Um, so when I refer to chi, it's that energy force behind it. Um, and I think that the masculine, the feminine chi are within us all. And there's always that balance that we have to um, find. So when we do find this, um, we, for, well, for me, I ended up going into the feminine sphere of dance and I went into belly dance um, little did I know that my confidence wasn't the best, <laughs> that my image of myself, because of the trauma that I'd been through before in my early years, I had very low self-esteem. Um, and, and, and people didn't understand that because I was always so bubbly. I was always so the first person to say, oh my God, you're gorgeous. Oh my God, you're beautiful. Good morning. It's a beautiful day outside. But inside, in my head, I was really this, I wanted, I wanted to share light outside of me because I felt like there was none inside. So being introduced to belly dance and starting to practice and dance, I started becoming more comfortable with wearing uh, small tank tops with showing off my arms with wearing shorts or skirts that had this feminine sensuality sexuality around it and so for me that created this amazing courage in my life and grew my confidence um, so with the belly dance with the martial arts 
then I went into, okay, there's, there's something around this movement. And I thought it was all about dance. So there's something around this movement because my body's moving and I'm getting happier and I'm getting excited. Well, in 2013, uh, my dad had been diagnosed in 2009 with cancer. And so I went my senior year of college, I moved back down to help take care of him during his cancer treatments and help my mom out because I'm the baby of the family. So I, I felt like it was my job since I was still in school to help them out. And during that time, I decided to go full in on dance. If I'm in this different sphere where I felt like I didn't really have a lot of options on how to control my life, I decided to fully immerse myself into dance and movement. And so I did, and I created uh, a company and I co-directed another company in Texas, uh, Luna Mentista and um, another troupe in New Jersey, New York that I had created and helped co-direct with a couple of other belly dancers in the region. And during 2013, when I had finished or when I was working towards becoming an international dancer, I was already performing nationally. I had won plenty of awards and gotten lots of um, acknowledgement for my dancing skills and kind of the work that I put into dance. I ended up um, coming to the realization that my dad was going to pass. And in 2013, I dropped everything in life and focused on him for the spring semester. And in May, he was gone from this world. So at that point, I ended up um, stopping dance, which is definitely the opposite of what I'd tell anybody to do. I stopped moving, I stopped expressing myself, and I got scared with the world. And I let the world take over. Um, I did fall a lot into my body work, into movement um, within work, the work sphere. So I was a full-time massage therapist. I was still teaching dance classes, but I wasn't doing anything for my own self-expression or creation. I was just giving. Um, and that energetic share that I talked about before, the male, masculine feminine energy, you need to also replenish your own energy which as those of you that are people pleasers know that it's hard to do because you're always wanting to give of that energy. And for me, I kept giving and giving till I had no more to give and I wasn't sure where life was going. And in 2013, sorry, 2015, I was living in Costa Rica and decided to go and watch a dance performance at the local university. And oh my gosh, my mind was blown by the amazing production that these students were putting on and it made me remember my love for dance. So in 2015, I started dancing again for me. I started just going to the parks in Costa Rica, going to the beach and just dancing. And there are times that I wish that I had recorded that. <laughs> it's like, oh, that would have been great scenery. Great, you know, today with social media, it's like, that would have been great. but looking back on it, it's like, but those are my moments. Those were for me. And sometimes we do want to share our experiences. We do want to share the social media on social media or share it in video. Look at how beautiful this is. 
But the realization of sometimes it just needs to be for you is, is amazing. So taking advantage of those little moments that are just for you is also extremely important. And I would highly suggest for anybody to do um, sometimes just go without your camera, go without your, your, you know, tech device and it, things will be fine and you'll see what comes up for you. Um, and then let's see. So after that, the next thing that came up, started dancing again, started kind of really figuring out self-expression, um, for myself again in creation. Um, and then in 2017, I decided to start my graduate degree, which is based on fine arts. So I have a master's of fine arts and the focus originally was dance performance and how love is spread through dance performance. But in 2019, my last semester, well, what was supposed to be my last semester, I ended up um, having to come home again and take care of my mom through her cancer treatment. Um, now, both cancers were not uh, family related. They weren't passed down from parents or grandparents. They're just things that the body does and that you know sometimes we can or can't take care of or don't know how to take care of. Um, and when my mom got diagnosed, I had helped her out and then she went into remission. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get my master's degree now. Um, and it came back and it came back with a vengeance. So I moved down and was with her for the last nine months of her life. And at, um, during, so her passing was very quick. She was working full time, very dedicated to her work, as was my dad as well. But being a little older, a little more mature and seeing the signs of the end of life, having seen that already in my father, now coming into this new chapter with my mom, I was seeing the signs. And of course, didn't want to realize it at the time, didn't want to admit that this was going to be the end or close to the end. But I knew that I couldn't allow myself to fall into this craziness of life, the roller coaster that sometimes gets us super dizzy and distracted and lost um, this time around as I did with my dad. So what I did instead was um, we were we were talking, she was working full time. The next week she was in the hospital, the next week she was in hospice and the next week she was gone. So within the span of a month, she went from working full time, talking to everybody, being energetic to no longer here. Um, and in that month, I decided to pack a like a go bag but my go bag had all of my creative supplies so I had canvases I had paints I had different arts and crafts stuff I had um let's see what else do I have I had um Indian ink and uh plaster so that I could play with my hands and so what I ended up doing was just taking canvases and literally throwing paint on them at hospice, I would make sure my mom was okay. I would make sure once she fell asleep, I would go to the cafeteria in the middle of the night at midnight, three o'clock in the morning. And I would just put paint on canvas. I would put it in my hand and I'd smear it. I would throw rocks at canvases and it made a mess, but the cleaning part was also part of the therapy that I had given myself. Um, after creating this piece, I ended up then going back and having to clean this place that I was in 
um, that wasn't my home. So cleaning this hospice cafeteria setting. And that was also therapeutic because it made me realize that through the process of creation, we do make a mess, just like in life. Life happens for us and it can be messy, but we get the experience. We get to clean that up. We get to figure out how to continue life along, how to pick up the pieces, how to clean the paint stains. And then we make something with that, which is our life. And through that process was the realization that our life is creation and we create our life the way we want it. Um, at that point, I decided to start looking at becoming a life coach. What did that entail? What was a life coach? Um, and since 2019, I've been doing different programs to kind of get a little more knowledge, finish my master's degree, and am really looking at the importance of one, spreading love and joy and remaining a playful child, letting that little inner child come out to play, but then also bringing the creation into everyday life. So what does today look like? What can you create? What can you bring in that's joyful for you? If you have five minutes, 10 minutes, what could you create, whether it's tangible or whether it's in your mind and just for you, what could you create that could help your day be better? So that's kind of been my process of just this continuous life of learning between movement and creation and art and self-expression and how all of it is tied together to help us have this joyous life, help us create this beautiful life that we love and that we're happy about. Yes. <clears throat> Allow me a moment to draw a breath. <laughs> yes. All that you have just shared and the amalgam of feelings that went through me as you, you were sharing. It's not the first time you're sharing this with me, but Right now, it, 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 it just felt so on point and so like you were just pouring your heart, like getting naked. And yeah, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Sierra. Absolutely. Now, one thing that, well, there are actually uh, three questions, but I'm going to start with being the baby of the family and having to take care of first dad and then mom. The way that you have seen the cancer eating their mind while messing up their temple of a body, that certainly took a toll on you. I would not even want to imagine my own grandma died of cancer. And uh, well, for me, it was horrible experience. And I'm certain it's, nobody can be equipped for these moments, even though when you just recognize the signs, as you've said, it's just, it does not prepare you. It just does not. And yet you've been through it, not with one parent, but with both of them at different ages. And every single time when mm -hmm. you were studying, 
You just had to give up that dream, come back, care for the one you love, and yet witness the transition from this world to the next. How did you do it? Like, I understand the art, the beauty of, it's just that maybe I would understand once, but twice, how did you do it? Yeah. So for me, I was very blessed to have people in my life that helped me make that decision because I don't think I was, I don't think I believed in myself enough to feel that I was equipped to make that decision. So for my dad in my undergrad, um, it was the director of the dance program, which was kind of where I poured all my time into Um, I told him what was going on. He knew I was traveling back and forth to a city five hours away where my dad was in the hospital, trying to go through his treatment um, in a then, uh, well, it's a a research facility. So they were doing research, cancer research. And he had gotten into this trial because nothing else had worked after the first couple of years. And I was blessed to have the director say, my last semester say, maybe you should think about taking the time to focus on him. Debate, like really think if this is something that you want to be here for, to try to do the classes and do your work. Cause it's not something that could have been remote. It was a dance program. I had to be there in class. Um, And he was very helpful in saying, maybe you should think about this or asking those questions that are important. Like what, Looking back, I remember he asked this question of looking back a year or 10 years from now, what would be more important in this moment? Oh, that's getting me emotional. Um, And the importance was being there for my dad because I could always come back to university and finish my bachelor's. And at that moment, when I made that, that statement, it was, okay, I need to take the break. I need to take some time off. I need to drop the semester. And as hard as it was to say, like, I'm supposed to graduate in two months. (laughs) Um, Having that person there to ask me that question made me realize, okay, I need to slow down. I'm not gonna, I can do it all, but that's not gonna benefit me in the long run. And that's not gonna benefit my relationship with my father before he leaves this world. Whether that you know, looking at that at that time, whether it was in a couple months, in a year, or however long, because we do only get certain people, or we only get everyone for a certain amount of time, and we don't know when that time is, um, when that time comes up for them to leave this world and go to another plane. Um, so I was very blessed to have that person um, ask me the right questions, and then with my mom, um, it was me asking the questions, which I think is one of the best things that I love about the way that I've learned to coach from the program that I'm in or the programs that I've done um, and the the process that coming into being this, this, this coach that I've been developed into or that I've developed into is I try to help people learn the questions to ask themselves. And I give people, like, I, I, I want to be the person to give people the tools. I don't want to give answers. I don't want to give, you know, you need to do this, et cetera. It's, 
here are certain questions that might help in this moment. Just like that person asked me in my undergrad dealing with my dad, this extremely important question, which seems simple. Okay, looking back in a year, 10 years, what would be more important? That can seem like a very simple question, but in that moment of my life, it was everything to me. And it made me decide the most important thing for me in that moment. So coming, fast forwarding, what, I think six years for dealing with my mom and helping my mom through that process, I was, I was across the country. I was on the other side of the United States when this came up and my cousin and some family friends had called me and said, you might want to think about where you want to be when your mom is not doing very well because she is starting to get worse. And she didn't tell me, of course she wants, I mean, our parents want us to live our lives and have a great life and be able to, to do our thing. And that's beautiful and great. Um, so when they told me that, I had to ask myself the question, where do I wanna be when my mom passes? If this is coming up to the end, of her being in this world, then where do I want to be? What's important at this moment? And that made me realize, okay, I need to go home. Um, and it was, it was a difficult decision because I had just gotten set up in New York City. I was looking for an apartment and it was great. I had this amazing job and got to eat lunch in Central Park every day. So my life was amazing at the time. I was so blessed and it lasted a couple months <laughs> of living like that. Um, granted, there was some downfall and some, you know, a breakup that happened right before. So there's a reason I was in New York City um, that was sad and I had to heal from that as well. And coming into taking care of my mom, it was being able to ask myself that question, having the tool and you, you, I mean, you don't think of questions as a tool, but it's like, it really is being able to think of that question, to think of the importance for me was amazing to, to make the decision to, okay, let's go home and do it. Um, now, if the question's more around how was I here dealing with that in person day in and day out, it was, <laughs> uh, I don't even know if I can say that it was determination or habit because I think I created more art in the process of being more stressed and for me the creation process the exploration process I should say because it wasn't like I was creating this magnificent masterpiece of art like let me create the Mona Lisa no I was just throwing paint around. It didn't have to be pretty. It didn't have to be amazing. It was just to get it out of my body. And that can be different for different people. It can be um, movement-based. It can be based on painting. It can be clay creation. It can be weaving or sewing. Um, and Mine just so happened to be in painting and in movement and being able to use the little bits of time that I had to just explore and express and journaling. Journaling is a great way too. A lot of people use journaling as well. 
Um, but being able to just express myself whenever I could was what got me, I think, through my mom um, passing. And it was what allowed me to not, for me, go crazy, um, to not dig myself into this hole, put a blanket over my head and say, I'm just going to ignore the world because I still had things to do. And I still had a life afterwards that I had to make sure I was around for and awake for. (laughs) So um, I think also looking at what did I want to do afterwards was a great um, question as well. Absolutely love it. And for those who get any insights from what you have just shared, I'm certain they also thank you for you being so open, so vulnerable and caring to share. What I also realized from your story was the self-image, which nowadays it's so important to be beautiful, but what is actually beautiful? How do we define beautiful? What is beauty, really? Why is this self-image so focused on being a standard way? Who sets these standards and why? I mean, I would have plenty of questions around that, but right now would love to ask you about the image you have had of yourself after going through all this and then shaming yourself first, then allowing others to do the same and put even more pressure on you keeping up a certain image. Why is it that you, because I cannot ask for everyone or so, but I I would love to know about why is it that you had to have this image? Why is it that you had to do this and that in order to obtain what image exactly? What definition of beauty? What is beauty for you? How does beauty puts all this puzzle together in regards to self-image? Yeah, I think I think our view of beauty in our world comes a lot from images that we see. I, I mean, I grew up and I've always been a little bit on the heavier side, plus size. And I mean, growing up in the 90s, there was always these images of, you know, thinner girls in magazines. You saw dancers, you saw performers, famous people always having very specific physiques, looking a certain way. And it wasn't really shared openly that all of those pictures were photoshopped or were edited in some form. Now it's great because you have that that knowledge out here with all of the social media platforms we have now, we see those images go from the original picture to, okay, how it ends up on looking in the magazine or in a commercial. And so it's great to see that process now. Um, I think also there are so many more men and women um, that are coming out and showing their bodies off and being proud of who they are and how they look no matter what. And I think that's what I had to realize is how can I be comfortable in my own skin? And dance allowed me to do that. I mean, you have experiences where dancers, people who are plus size or different shaped or 
whatever, the gamut of all different body types come into dance and you have the experience where they have negative experiences because they're not a very specific type of body. However, when I came into dance, it was okay to have belly fat. It was okay to have jiggles because in belly dance, the jiggly, the better, the jigglier, <laughs> the better. It's like you shimmy. And yes, it's great to see the tassels and the bells and the colors of a shimmy. But if there's a little bit of extra cushion and that's moving as well, that's part of the dance. And so one of my first teachers was like, hey, if you got fat, that's okay. If it's flabby, it's okay. If it's shaking and moving and you feel it everywhere along your body, that's great. And I share that with my students as well. It's like, hey, don't feel uncomfortable because this is the body that you have right now. And if you want to change it, then, hey, we can work towards that. But what you have right now, let's just shake it. Let's just see what it looks like, what it feels like. And I think that process of experimental experimenting is what allows beauty to be defined. Being able to experiment, to express yourself and say, what does it look like if I'm naked in front of a mirror and I just start shimmying or I just start jumping or shaking? What does that look like to me? Like nobody else, <laughs> not, the, not the world around me, not what they think or care or feel, but how do I feel jumping in front of a mirror naked? What do I see that I like? What do I see that I don't like? What do I see that I wanna change? And what do I need what tools do I need to be able to change what I don't like? And how can I come to terms or accept the things that are unable to be changed? I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I was short. Growing up, I felt like I was so short. I wanted to be so much taller. My siblings are both taller. My parents were shorter, but I'm like, I wanna be the tallest in the family that was never going to happen. So there are some things where we can't change them and we have to accept that. But there are tools that we can use or and, and tools also like people around us in our world. With social media, we have such a smaller world than we used to. So there are always people that are available or that we can meet to be able to provide us the tools that we need to change our body physically if we want to, or our mindset. Sometimes it's all just about, hey, you don't like that shaking fat, or hey, you think this is unpretty? What does it mean to be pretty? Just like what you asked, what does that mean? What is the term pretty to you? Um, and I, I work a lot with uh, single women who are looking for that perfect mate. And so when I work with those people, it's like, okay, well, what is that perfect, like, what is perfection? What does that mean to you? And, and that's kind of like similar to the questions to, that I asked them. Um, and a lot of them is about the mindset. It's about creating that image in your head and really thinking about what's in your head versus what, have, what do you want versus what has the world told us we should want. Because a lot of times in beauty, in relationships, in love, all of it comes from external sources. All of it comes from the world outside of us. 
When in reality, we need to look in here and really see what do I want? What do I like? What am I attracted to? What, what do I really feel is important in this life? What do I really need? What do I think is beautiful? Whether it's from somebody else or whether it is from me, what is beauty to me? Um, and what's important? So yeah, I think those are things that we need to start looking at ourselves is, okay, I see everything else that's being fed to me or coming at me in different ways. What do I want? What do I think is great? What do I think is beautiful? What's important? And I mean, those are questions that I challenge everybody to, to think about if you ever want to have something in life, do something, find somebody, love yourself. I mean, those are beautiful questions to ask in all of those situations. Oh my gosh, beautiful people. I actually challenge you to stop the episode, you know, to, to, to stop the, the, the episode right now and just go through the questions she just asked and journal on them. It's such a powerful practice right here, right now. This is such an empowering tool for yourself, for your body image, and for, and on that note, oh my gosh, I would stay with you like so much longer, but uh, I want to be mindful of your time. One thing I would love to ask you before this would be the people pleaser. I know how so many of us have this addiction on being accepted, on integrating themselves into entourages that do not fit them, but because they want this feeling of acceptance, they get into being a people pleaser. And sometimes that leads to the burnout you have also shared with us because you put the same energy, the same amount of energy you put into creating and maintaining, sustaining that image that is not you actually, but it's created by the fears of being rejected. What is one thing you would say to people pleasers? If they don't know they are people pleasers, but they suspect, what would you say? And if they know they are people pleasers, but they just don't know how to stop them doing that, being that, what is it that you would say? I would say to take time to check in with yourself. Um, if you have two options, for example, somebody asks you to do something, it's a yes or no, you always say yes. And you're really wanting to check in with yourself and be like, okay, wait, am I a people pleaser? Then the question would say, would be check in with yourself, for example, and, and there could be more than two answers and that's fine, but check in with all the answers and see which one fits better. Like which one makes you excited? Which one makes you happy? If saying yes to a person, even though you always say yes to them and you're like, but that sounds really fun. That's gonna energize me. That's gonna make me feel great. That's gonna help me get into this you know, great state of energy, then do it. It's okay to say yes. But if you're, if that yes or whatever option you're looking at and it's like, I really don't want to, I really don't see it's like how it can benefit. It's not a great idea, it's, et cetera, et cetera. And you feel bogged down, then don't do it. 
And, and so the number one thing is to check in with yourself. Take time, even if it's 10 seconds, look at the options in front of you, weigh them out. Okay, yes, this is a great idea, or no, it's not, or I'm not feeling like I'm being pulled to that. Because like you said, that energy is going to influence you internally. So if you're always saying no to you and saying yes to somebody else, then you're, you're the people pleaser and you're going to be putting yourself down. And so you want to try to make sure that you're always doing something that's going to lift you up. And life happens. Sometimes we have to do things that are not energetically in line with how we want to be or things that are not great. But if you're having this decision, you're making a decision, especially from somebody else that they want you to do something or asking you for something, take the time to really give yourself that option of, do I want to do this or not? Thank you for sharing, Sierra. It's incredible. And I would love to stay with you for at least one more hour, at least. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yet I do want to uh, be mindful of your time, my time, my listener's time. Hence, I am going to quickly ask you, how can they reach you? I am going to put the links in the episode description, but what is your, well, beautiful people, you've heard that, as I have mentioned, I'm going to put the links in the episode description, as well as uh, how to connect with her for uh, potential coaching. As I recall, that is your gift, isn't it? Uh, Thank you. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) thank you. That is something that I absolutely love to do, coach and teach and help people any way that I can. Beautiful. I'm going to post that link as well. And the questions. (laughs) First question. If you would be an animal, which one would you be and why? I would say a male lion. Protector, guardian. Um, helping uh, provider, <laughs> um, safety, I think of safety. Yeah, making sure that the people around me that I love are protected or lionesses are protected and well and making sure that things are cared for and also being able to just bask in the sun and enjoy uh, life as, as a cat. <laughs> Lovely. If you would be to write the book, of your life, what would be the title? That's such a great question because I'm currently in the process of writing two books. One is a fiction, one is my autobiography. Um, Yeah, From Lost to Love would be a great title, I think, as of right now. My writing coach would probably be like, no, it's a horrible title. It doesn't say anything about you. But I think for me, it's all about losing parts of myself, losing myself, losing my innocence, et cetera, and finding love within all of that and finding a way to continue loving on everybody around me. Beautiful. I would actually love the title. And I'm looking forward to it so I can purchase it ASAP. Yes, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And the last question from all the arts, you're expressing yourself through which one would be the one that would be the one top one Uh (laughs) of your choices oh wow 
that goes into a lot deeper questions. I, I'm probably sure that you're going to have more questions around this. Oh, I think the number one form of self-expression for me in everything that I've done would have to be the fetish world. So I used to be a model in the world and I got involved in it and found out there's just so much of self-expression, ways to self-express yourself, ways to build community. And it's such a huge, various world that I think that would be like the one way that I would say, okay, I need, something's going on and I need to self-express myself in some way. And I think that's also what I did with the art with my mom. It was put paint onto a canvas, a little dollop of paint and just smash it. Like, I mean, sometimes there's this, this cathartic feeling of, of just going in and just being like, I don't care what's going to happen. I'm just going to say, okay, let's, let's just do this and see what, ha- what comes out. Um, so yeah, I think, I think uh, fetish exploration would be, the, would be the art form that I would probably choose. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, Sierra, thank you so very much for being here, for sharing a fragment of you, your life, your journey with us all and inspiring us to take action, to shine our light as unapologetically as you did. So thank you once again for being here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And it's so great talking with you. Likewise. Well, beautiful people, thank you for being here. And until the next episode takes place, is being released and so on and so forth. Remember to keep on shining your light unapologetically. Do not dim your light to make others feel safe. Shine your light unapologetically and experience powerful transformation through healing, growth and expansion.